Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
All right. Welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It's the last show of March. It's Easter Sunday. Happy Easter to everybody out there. Hope you're having a great time tonight. Today's show is brand new, but we pre-recorded it yesterday because, hey, look, I'm celebrating the holiday with my family also. But I had to put on this show because we interviewed so many great guests course of this week because of the live show Sunday's not being done. They agreed to do it during the weekday for me, and we got a great show for everybody tonight. Opened up with Metal Church and Fake Healer. Mike Howe is back in the band, and Kurt Vanderhoof is on the show tonight. Our first interview, we're following up with Andy Timmons, who played with Danger Danger back in the 80s. He's been a solo artist since then. Is out on tour with Uli John Roth right now. After that, Portnoy from Next to None and his dad, Mike Portnoy, from every band in the world. <laughs> Going from Adrenaline Mobs to the Dream Theater, to Metal Allegiance, to the Winery Dogs, you name it, here today. And then Jason Ashcraft from Helium Prime. Let's get on one more tune. We'll get the Metal Church interview going right after that. Uh, since it is Easter, I guess we'll do maybe a little Christian metal here. Here's Neon Cross on the Rock. We'll never lose it. Good band. Like I said, today's show might be a little short on the music, but it's going to be big on the interviews. And we spoke to Kurt this week. Let's get that interview going with him. We'll play some brand new Metal Church right after that. 
and we have a whole bunch of guests waiting in the line, so stick around. Kurt, this is Mike. How are you? Hey, Mike. How's it going, man? Oh, I'm doing great, man. How are you today? Doing great, man. Just getting ready to head out on the road. We leave. I leave Sunday, so, you know, packing, doing laundry, you know, all that kind of groovy, unrock and roll stuff. <laughs> I was just going to say the life of a rock star, huh? Oh, yeah. You know, you know, they just, you know, <laughs> it, it just keeps getting better. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. You know, Kurt, these are good. I mean, it's always been a good time to be a Metal Church fan, but it seems like right now there's like this big air of excitement surrounding you guys. Mike Howe is back in the fold, and people are just going crazy over this. I mean, I, I think the only I thing know, you could have did was weird. resurrect David Wayne. <laughs> you know, it's incredible. Right. You know, I mean, it's like I've been saying that, you know, talking to people, it's like it feels like it's 1983 you can off again. It's like I get to relive my blended adolescence, but now I get to do it again. Yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing, yeah. man. It's really great. I'm, I'm really re- – life is good, man. Yeah. Well, I'm glad things are going good. You know, it's funny because most people, I mean, like, like so excited with Mike Howe being back in the band that you guys are playing again. But a lot of people realize that when Mike Howe was in the band the first time around, you were sort of more behind the scenes than up front with the band back then because you kind of liked away from it at that point in time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's what's really fun about it now is Mike and I are having a blast because we're actually together. I mean, we worked on the songs and stuff before, but I was not in the band studio together, but we never played together until uh, our yeah. first show here in Aberdeen uh, a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago. So it's awesome. Mike and I are having a blast. Uh, I'm glad about that. Well, you know, going back to that time when, you know, the first two records come out, I mean, 80s was the heyday of heavy metal. I mean, the dog comes out, you guys have the big hit, and all of a sudden, like, you know, you step away from it right after that. Was that a difficult decision to make at that point in time? It had to be hard since that was your baby. Well, yeah, it was hard, but at the same time, I mean, it, it was, I knew what I needed to do. I stepped away because after making The Dark, that was the first time being in the studio with a producer where we actually spent time and made a record, air quotes, made a record, where the first album, yeah. that we, we did that in a week, start to finish. We just went in and played because we didn't know any better. Came in and did the dark, it was like the light bulb went on for me, working with a producer and engineers going, wow, is I want to learn how, I want to learn production, I want to learn studio engineering, I want to learn how to make records. So in one aspect, it was very difficult because I didn't want to let the guys down. But at the same time, I knew for myself that that was the path that I needed to go on at that time. I wanted to look, so I spent my time, you know, building my own studio and learning engineering and product, production and songwriting and that kind of thing. That was much more my thing. And now it's perfect because I get and be in the band too. So I'm one happy guy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do you think if you stood with the band back then, it might have been more detrimental for the group because like your heart wouldn't have been in it at that time? You know, that's hard to say. People have asked me that before. I don't know. I mean, there's one side of it where, you know, lineup changes are really, really difficult for bands to work, you know survive through, especially singers. Um, obviously. Maybe if I would have stayed, it would have been a little more consistent, maybe. Then on the other hand, you know, then maybe some business decisions and things that were made and decided on when I was not in the band or part of that aspect of the band. Maybe some of those things would have changed the, the, the fortunes of the band. At the same time, I think about exactly what you said. That is highly possible because I could have been on the road being miserable going, you know, this is, I mean, the shows are great. And it's still to this day, I love playing live. I never stopped loving playing live. Two hours left in the day gigging. <laughs> that for me, I get bored and, you know, I like being productive and things like that. So, you know, it's really tough to think, of, tough to know for sure, to analyze it. I just know that that was the path for me and I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now if I hadn't have done that. 
So, yeah. you know, speculate, but, you know, things are working out. <laughs> they definitely are. I mean, the new record just sounds amazing. I mean, I think people are really going to be oh, – I mean, it's not like you've ever put out a bad record you know, over, over your career. And, and like you were saying, you know, replacing a singer is a hard thing. It seemed to be much more difficult back in the early days of metal, like in the 70s and 80s than it is now. It seems more common now where members come and go and fans just want to hear the music so bad. It doesn't really matter to them as long as you get the right people for the band. You've been blessed where you've had you know, three great singers yeah. coming to the band over its career. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we have been very lucky. And that's just a matter of you know trying to make good decisions because we've learned you know over the years of the price you pay when you make bad decisions. You know, sometimes you don't recover from them, you know, be it business, management, you know, whatever it is. You know, those kinds of things, you know, you, you, you really, and as you get older, and especially as we're getting, uh, we're as old as we are now, you've learned an awful, awful lot. You know, you've made the mistakes and things now. So that was like when Mike came back, it wasn't just an immediate, yeah, I'll come back. We just took it, you know, we wanted to make sure that the record and the songs were going to be good. The working environment was going to be good like it was. And also Mike had been out of the uh, music business for a long time. So he had to relearn and see that it's a whole new ball game now and it's all DIY, you know, and which is yeah. ultimately for people like us, absolutely perfect. So, you know, he had a lot to figure out and a lot to kind of digest because things are a lot different from the past 20 plus years, you know. So. My cow really wasn't hiding. I mean, nobody heard hide or hair him at all. Like I said, he stepped away completely. And when, when yep. you and the Monty Monroe parted ways, was my cow like the first thing you said? Well, you know, hey, let's try to get Mike back in the band and give back that classic vibe. But were you just, did you have a whole bunch of people that you were looking into? No, actually, because uh, when we found ourselves in need of a new lead singer, I was just, I don't think there's a fourth singer for Metal Church. That, in theory, just didn't seem right to me. Just was like, if it was going to be a fourth singer, it probably... I don't know. It, that just didn't feel right for whatever reason. So, unfortunately, I had just spoken to Mike a week prior to finding out that we were going to need a lead singer, and I had spoken to him about a project that I'm going to be doing with Nigel from Saxon that we're trying, both trying to find time to do. And I just we were kind of talking about a singer, so I haven't talked to Mike in a while, and, I mean, we've always remained friends over the years. And I just thought maybe he'd be interested in maybe doing a little project on the side, blah, blah, blah. Talked to him about that, and he was like, well, we can discuss it. Let's blah, blah, blah. And then literally a week to the day, I called him back and said, uh, hey, forget the project. How about uh, Metal Search? <laughs> and, you know, because it was literally a week to the day, and uh, just all seemed like it made sense. It all, like the stars aligned you know, glee, whatever, you know, and that's, I think, part of the reason why this feels so good right now. You know, it's just everything seems to be working in our favor finally. Yeah, I was saying, sometimes you feel like there's a black cloud over the band's head because every time the momentum builds up, something seems to knock you back down. But, I mean, you guys have that resilience where you just keep coming back and, and it gets stronger and stronger each time. Well, thank you. That's great. Yeah, I've always considered ourselves the Rodney, da Rodney Dangerfields of metal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that stuff happens, right? Well, Kirk, as far as the live shows go now, I mean, are you going to concentrate on the classics and the Mike Howe of stuff, or are you going to go throughout the whole catalog and you give a little bit of everything? We're, we're going to mainly concentrate on the Mike Howe era and the new album, but we are going to do a few from the, the David Wayne era, just a couple, but we wanted to play stuff that hasn't been played in a long, long time and some new stuff for us. So we are concentrating on the Mike Howe era, and you know, and that's kind of a lot of it for the rest of the band. It's all new songs for us to play, too. So it's, uh, it's basically that and the new album. Well, I mean, on top of that, I mean, like Rick is out right now. You got Chris playing yep. with you. I mean, 
love to see Rick, you know, with the band falling on tour. But I mean, hey, Chris is not a bad feeling. Oh, God, no. This is going to be awesome. We're really looking forward to that. Chris <laughs> has been a friend of the band, you know, for a long time, you know. So this is going to be, you know, he's going to add definitely another dimension to the whole thing, you know. This is going to be really awesome. Rick will be back. Rick is healing and doing well. Rick will be back when we uh, go to Europe in May. But, uh, yeah, he uh, well, the only thing he can't do now is fly because of the detached retina. The surgery went fine, but I guess the rehab is really a pain in the ass so or the face. And uh, it's just, yeah, so, but he's doing great, and he's on the mend, and he will be back in action in May. Oh, that's great news. You know, Kirk, being, I mean, I go back with the band to those demo days when I was demo tape training with the four hymns back in the early 80s, and I've been with you oh, guys wow, for a long yeah. time. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm old school. I mean, we're the same age. I'm there with you. And in the 90s uh, when, you know, metal kind of fell apart and hard times, grunge kind of took over. When I heard that you guys were reuniting that classic lineup with David Wayne, I was, like, so thrilled. And the masterpiece came out, and it was just like it felt like it wasn't the right time or place musically. Great record. Nope. I look back on it now, nope. and I'm like I love it. But the '90s were a rough time, and was oh, that boy. a factor in that, that not whole, working? Yeah. Well, you know, the whole thing with the masterpiece thing, and I, I people have asked me about this because I've kind of like, and I wasn't dissing Dave necessarily or the record. It was just that particular time, just really nothing. It just didn't work on all levels. You know, we were other band members decided they could, you know, the record was supposed to be all the original members working on the record and it kind of sort of happened and it was just a, that whole yeah. thing has a real bad taste in my mouth. I'm not guessing when I call it disaster piece, I'm not talking about Dave or the record necessarily. I'm just talking about that, <clears throat> that whole period of time trying to make it work. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> just, it just didn't work. And we did some shows that were just horrible. Like we played Vakken and it was just horrible. We just, it just didn't work, and I just, that's when I swore I will never, ever listen to anybody in an office of a record company or management telling me to go <laughs> against my gut, telling me to go against my gut. Biggest mistake. I mean, even Dave knew that, like, look, this isn't working. We should not do this. We had management and record. No, it'll be great. It'll be great. No, just do it. Just do it. You need to do it. You need to. So we said, okay, and we went out and did it, and it sucked, and then the next day, what happened? What the hell's going on? I'm like, your way? I'm never doing that again. If it doesn't feel right, yeah. then I know it my gut it's not working i'm never doing it again and now with the situation the way the new music business is don't ever have to worry about that again so well that's true see a lot of people forget that back then even into the into the 90s you know the, the record companies were kind of king i mean they dictated yeah. what they <laughs> wanted how you do it they, they influenced you know a lot of bands and they're doing stuff they didn't want to because oh, listen it's in your best interest but you know your heart tells you no like you said but everything else says all right we have to do it and it winds up falling apart. Today, it's a whole different, a whole different world musically. Well, we don't need the record company's money anymore. That's the beauty part. True. Of it. You know, before we needed, you know, a hundred thousand dollars to make a record. We don't need to. Do, we don't need that anymore. We can do it ourselves. I made last, you know, the last two Metal Church records here in my house. Presto Records, I've made on my own. You know, and uh, it's just like we don't need the money. We don't need it, so we don't need them. And that's the beauty part of the new music business is record companies exist, like Rat Pack, who we work with, who are fabulous. But they're just like us. That are they're small. If we have a problem, we make one phone call. It's all hands on. Do it yourself. And people that know how to navigate the internet and the social media, all simplified. You know, we I make yeah. a record and I hand it off to Rat Pack and they put it out. Beautiful. It's just wonderful. We don't need all the money. That's why the record companies are gone, and it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Well, hey, that's what technology brings about. It brings about change, and that was one of the the casualties of it. It benefits yep. a band like Metal Church or some of the bigger bands. 
but does it benefit like new bands coming in? I mean, because they come into a, a world where they don't know what a record company does or, or what it could do for a band or what it was supposed to do for a band. You guys really know what they yeah. do, but does it benefit everybody all around? Well, you know, yes, for bands like us, like you said, definitely anybody in that's doing music now because are having to do it yourself. But I feel... I, I, I really feel kind of bad for new young bands who are coming into this because I wouldn't know how to really get started. I mean, I think it would be hard because unless you're established, there's so much out there, you know, and it's so segmented. And how do you really get out there and break unless you have somebody who really knows how to get you out there? I mean, you do have to spend the money on videos, et cetera, et cetera, but probably a hell of a lot harder for a new band nowadays, you know, but once you're in, you're in. And we're very fortunate that we have a history. People know who we are, so we don't need to worry about that so much. Definitely re building to be a new band now i for me unless you know i i would find it very difficult you know so i don't know again we're very very fortunate right now it's, it's definitely harder today for younger bands and then you have a lot of bands that like kind of separate themselves in so many different categories mathematical speed metal uh this metal that i mean when we, we started out it was heavy metal and maybe some of the bands are hard rock like van Halen and acdc there's only two ways right. of separating it today there's so many yeah. you don't know what you're looking for oh god well i know i'm not looking for death metal and i know i'm not looking for black metal <laughs> and i know i'm not looking i'm not looking for anybody who can't sing myself so anything like that i'm that's i'm not interested in i'm not interested in any of that shit <laughs> so yeah. that's, 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 i keep it pretty simple i agree uh, you, you know we have the internet today there's social media going from myspace to facebook to Bandcamp, there's so many different outlets that they have out there it's a really small world today musically i mean you put something up on the internet you click a button the whole world knows what you're doing going back to the yeah. early days when the band is starting out and you're based out of you know you're based out of seattle is it difficult being in an area that's not like New York or L.A. back in the day where those were the two primary hubs for, like, you know, things happened in the music business? I mean, you really had to make your bones back then. Right, right. Well, we had to do a lot of driving, you know, <laughs> you yeah. had to get out. We had, we had to get out. We had, you know, we had to get out of town, you know. But then things certainly changed. You know, then Seattle became the hotbed of it. I feel that establishing that, you know, us in Queensryche opened the doors up and then suddenly the grunge thing happened and we were the ones that kicked the doors open. But, you know, and then the, then obviously things changed and people started paying attention and companies at that time started putting out posts up here and, you know, the industry started taking notice and it became a very, very hip, artsy place to be. And uh, But then the Internet happened, so now there's any places where you want to be, where you want to be is, is in front of your computer because there's no real scene anywhere in the world anymore. It's all just wherever wherever your computer is. Which is good True. or bad. So, but yeah, it was difficult. Well, I, Kirk, I know Metal Church is going to take up all your time right now, but do you play? I know I was hearing that would be another Presto Ballet record soon. Is that still happening? Or are you going to just put that in hold until the Metal Church thing dies down a little bit? It, it's No, it's done. It's done, and we've been sitting on it waiting for the Metal Church record to come out. So it'll well, be out. Great. Uh, well, great. We're not sure when it is, but it's going to, yeah, it's already done. We just decided to wait till after the Metal Church thing came out and got, you know, kind of raised, you know, a little bit of profile a little bit, and then we can tell people to, like, okay, now look over here. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're sonic. We don't want to waste it. Well, that was always some great stuff, those albums. Is Chuck still singing with the band? Same lineup. We got a great record on tap, too. It's really, really good. I mean, I mean, I say that uh, just from the way we all kind of feel at this. The new Presto record is, uh, you know, it, it's prog, hard rock, melodic. So it's kind of just this real hybrid 
kind of thing. I think people are going to really, really dig it. You know, I'm, we're really excited about it. That's why we just didn't want to throw it out there. We just kind of let's sit on it and let's wait, you know, and get our ducks in a row and get a plan going for that band, you know, and let the Metal Church thing take off and get going. And then we can find, you know, then Presto will, you know, pro- hopefully get a little more attention. And also it's going to be coming out on Rat Pack. And, uh, you know, so they're oh, going to great. be doing, uh, doing, it'll be doing their magic to it as well. Yeah, I know the way things are today musically, I mean, you know, as far as like the, you know, the economics of it go, is it possible for like just one musician to be in one band today? Or do you have to be in multiple groups if this is what you want to do? I want to live in a support oh, yourself. No, you can, can you do? It? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, you can. Yeah. I mean, it certainly depends on which on what on what level the band that you're in is operating on. I, I do, uh, you know, do the two bands because I need the outlet creatively. I mean, I need my seventies, <laughs> you know, or I'd go yeah. that thing. Yeah. Anal- I need my analog vintage keyboards and you know my frog uh, all my that kind of stuff. I need that in my life, so that's why I have the two projects. But uh, there's also going to be a solo record that I'm doing, just going to be just me. Uh, it's going to be experiment. Whether or not anybody hears it, I don't know yet. But that's my next project. Yeah, I need the other outlets. It's not necessarily for money, creative outlet. So, but yeah, people sure. can yeah, absolutely. I mean, if your band's busy enough and working enough, then you absolutely can be in one band. I think a lot of people are in more projects and more bands because you can now. And I think that's you know for like the reasons I just described. I think a lot of artists are doing that because they can. Why the hell not? Well, you're talking about a solo record. Do you think you would go do an instrumental record? Is that something that would interest you, doing all instrumental? No, it's not going to be instrumental. It's not going to be instrumental. It'll be just like, I don't know, my attempt at Montrose record meets Joe Walsh meets... Oh, wow. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's going to be rock. It's going to be music that has no filter. It's going to be whatever comes out. And like I said, I don't know if anybody's going to hear it, but if it, if it gets to that point, I, I hope so. <laughs> but that's what I want to do. Oh. I just want to kind of a person personally challenge myself. I'm sure it's going to be great if you do it. You're one of the the most classic songwriters out there. Craig, I'm not going to keep you because I know you got so many of these things to do. But I'm going to see you in New York when you get here. You're playing at BB King's, and I can't wait. Uh, Thank you. I can't wait to see you in New York. I absolutely will. Don't worry. (laughs) You got it, Craig. You take care now. Take care.
Avenger, Rise of the Creature. Man, they were so good back in the day. I love those guys. All right, well, we also spoke to Andy Timmons this week. Andy is on the road with Uli John Roth and Jennifer Batten. Uh, we were supposed to talk to John West, but he was having some vocal problems, and he needed to save his voice for the show. So we spent a little bit more time with Andy. Check out this interview we did this past week. We'll get out some music by him, and we'll keep the show flowing right after that.
Andy, Hello? this is Mike. How are you? Andy, can you hear me? Hey, yeah, Mike. Good morning. How are you, bro? How are you? How are you doing today? Uh, I'm good. I'm, uh, we're rocketing uh, northward here in uh, Seattle this morning for another uh, date on the Ultimate Guitar Experience Tour. Does the traveling ever get tiresome? I mean, it sounds like such a great lifestyle going out and seeing all these <laughs> states and countries. But then you get on a bus with a whole bunch yeah. of people, and you're like, oh, not this again. You know what? Uh, it's all down to the people that you're traveling with. And we've got an incredible, the music has been great every night, but it's the other 21 hours of the day. You know, Are you getting along with everybody? In that way, it's a blessing. It makes it way easier. It's definitely difficult because the schedule has been relentless. We're like, there's no days off. We're playing every night. Keep going. I, I prefer the uh, the momentum and the adrenaline. They get. I, don't really, I don't really dig days off when we're, when we're on tour. I'd rather be playing. That's what we're meant to be doing. So, yeah. So I was going to say, in that regard, yeah. being a musician, downtime, I would think, would be the worst time because you never know when the next thing is coming around. Yeah, I mean, it is. I've been self-employed since you know, I was in my teens. Basically, always things always just fall into place in a certain way. I've, I've never had to really stress or worry about it too much. Um, not to say that it isn't challenging, especially these days. The state of the industry, you have to be very aware of all our career at all times. People like me that are kind of handling a lot of it on their own. So it makes it challenging, and you got to keep in mind, you know, why you're doing it, further the art of... Of, of the guitar and to keep making music, you know, what inspired me initially when I first was aware when I was a little kid of the Beatles and then later on all the 70s rock and roll, and, uh, which is still inspiring. Yeah. I, I'm continually going going back to that, that era of music. It never ceases to amaze me, the, the activity that was especially vibrant at that time. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, everybody remembers Danger, Danger back in the 80s. They had so much success with the songs, the music, the touring. And then you say, you know, I've been self-employed for so many years. Uh, you, right. you prefer like you prefer doing it on your own, which I guess you do because you've done it for so long. Or is it nice having like yeah. a, a band to rely on where there's more than one person like contributing, where it, just, it doesn't all fall on you? You know, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed both. That you know, I've had a solo career for many years, but I also I really enjoy being a team in that to not have to carry the ball the whole time. You know what I mean? So in the danger, danger days, that was certainly the case. Um, or you know, after that, I did so many years with uh, with both Simon Phillips and his fusion band, or Olivia Newton-John, which is completely opposite end of the spectrum. But for me, it's equally as satisfying whether it's my own music he was another artist i just want to serve in the artist the best i can for what's you know what i mean it's not about it's not always about me it's not about me it's about you know what's going to serve the music listen no matter how big a fan i am of the solo records and the danger danger stuff when you started work with olivia newton john you became my all-time hero <laughs> man because i had the biggest crush on her in the 70s till, till, till yeah. today. So I, that, that's the, I tell you what she is one of the most beautiful people inside and out that uh i've ever i've ever had the pleasure of working with she's a, a true professional she She's a, she's a badass. I tell her she's a motherfucker because she can really sing, man. She's got a, a really deep groove and a great a great voice, which is also a person. You know, she uh, she tirelessly does things to help other people. Since she was a breast cancer survivor in the early 90s, you know, yeah. she's uh, she's done a lot for awareness. So uh, it's been an amazing relationship. She's a really dear friend. And being out to this time with Uli and Jennifer, I mean, you got John West is doing some vocals out there. I mean, do you think that yeah. the, the big guitar things are coming back again? People are appreciating just listening to the music and hearing the guitar take over. It kind of got lost for a long time. I don't know that it ever got lost. I think that the focus shifted as far as what was, you know, what was being promoted on at the point MTV or radio. But there's always, there's always going to be somebody that do their instrument, whether it's guitar or whatever it is. But you know, on a tour like this where we've got Uli and Jennifer and myself, um, the level of expression is, you know, and it's been great to see, you know playing for some big audiences and some smaller audiences, but every night we're connected. Um, and it's just great to see that in the faces of the people. And, uh, so 
it's never about whether or what's in vogue. Um, I don't think there's there's a universal language of music that's you know you can't deny it. If it's if it's real and it's from the right, it'll always connect, no matter what the current trends are. So it's really been inspiring to me, especially to stand next to Uli each night and feel what he's doing. Uh, we seem to really vibrate on a, on a similar wavelength. Inspiring, man. We're just having a blast. We're only halfway through, and so we're uh, yeah. we're seeing how far we can take it. Me personally, I miss those big jams <laughs> from the late '70s and early '80s. When guys look up on stage, yeah. just like free form and jam. Are you guys like you know kind of winging a lot of things at night over there? You throw a lot of stuff in that hasn't well, been ours. The beauty. I mean, we each we each play our own segment of the show. You know, I mean, she's really incredible. I call her state of the art guitar. She has so much <laughs> technique and so much ability. No, she's brilliant. She really is. And then Uli plays his set, and then he brings Jennifer and I back at the very end. And that because everybody's played this. Then we yeah we're we're usually we've been using some uh, Hendrix as a springboard. The thing with jamming is is you know there's plenty of great musicians out there that play great, necessarily the best jammers. And what I mean by that is that depending on the level of going on around them, a lot of people, a lot of players can be very self and egocentric. It's all about can do and they're aware of things going on, not just what they're doing, but thing and what everybody else is doing. That's when some really amazing things can happen. And that's been happening every night. Some really nice interplay, some uh, incredible uh, counterpoint things. They're just, it's all complete improvisation. Like you're saying, to the jams of the 70s, you know, we're aware that we have something. some of the greatest players in the world. They may not be tuned in on that level. So, yeah, every night you just never know what's going to happen. That's a great thing. Well, I mean, I guess it applies too because yeah. I remember reading somewhere where you said that, I'm, I might have read it wrong, but, you know, you wanted to be a studio musician. You wanted to get into there and, and do different things. And yeah. being a studio musician, right. a lot of different genres of music come your way. Some you might not like, some you may love, but you got to give it your best. And is it difficult, like, just jumping right. into a project? You know, not, to be honest, not at all, because any genre of music, if there was guitar involved, I, I wanted to I wanted to know how to do it. I Country or classical or jazz or blues, players in every genre, and so why not be inspired by that? I would just always, I always embraced down to the instrument. It was just always, I was always attracted to it. You know, very easy for me to, to be able to, to do the studio stuff, because I had respect to really be able to do well at it, and so that that was, the, and, that, and that was, it just was handy for me to, it helped me keep busy, you know, it helped me, because after Danger Danger, Danger fell by the wayside. You know, I always thought about all the other guys in those bands, but what are they going to do? That plugged right back into the session scene in New York and then back in Dallas. Doing jingles or TV, whatever whatever it took. You know, just session country, session, a lot, a lot of Christian music, is, you know, based out of, of uh, Dallas. But also a lot of rock and roll stuff. Um, but I just always, I enjoyed all of it. It was, um, it was never, it was never a job. It was never work for me. Yeah. Um, just only, only, of- only to the work of, work of getting it right. You know, just the, the challenge of, like I said earlier, serving, serving the music the best you can. I mean, being that you've worked with so many people, do you find that some of them maybe are a little close-minded as to what they want to do? Like, like, well, you know, I'm just a rock guitar player, and that's all I want to do, and not really experiment. Right. But some of them have so much talent, and it just seems like it goes away right. sometimes because they're not willing to experiment. And and, and that, again, I can only I can only speak to what I've worked. You look at a guy like Stevie Ray Vaughan. You know, he was a he was a guy. You know, he really came from all the classic blues, and he added some Hendrix in there, and that was his thing. And, and there's nothing wrong with you know, or or a guy like Eve that maybe just just on one thing. You know, it's okay to be that. But I enjoyed so many playing and music that I was inspired to take on whatever I could. But I you know I don't I don't close minded that think like that. I think maybe they'll become really really great. 
has that one thing. And that's, you know, there are many players like that that, that have a very identifiable sound and voice. Um, so, no, I, I, I can appreciate it and respect that. I'm just going to be on the journey that I'm on, and, and, and I'm continually growing and learning. Yeah. That's when, that's when I'm happiest. I'm happiest when I'm challenged and I'm, and I'm learning. Do you have anything coming up solo-wise uh, as far as, like, records go? It's been a long time since you put something out. I think Resolution. I'm, I actually well, have the Sgt. Pepper one. Yeah, the Sgt. Pepper record was the last one. And we just, Mike Dana and I just came out on uh, Uli's tour. And so uh, after this tour, we mix, and it should be out by late. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping to get back out on the States and do some clubs. Uh, and, um, and that's what's been great about this tour is that Uli has taken me out to uh, serve a lot of new people. I've, I've toured around the world quite a bit, but not my own band. So this is for me. And, you know, I've, I definitely have a lot of fans coming out that have been wanting to see me for a long time. But, of course, there's lots of Uli's fans that wouldn't have heard of me before. So it's been great every night. I'm very uh, thankful to be out here. So, yeah, we'll get that new record out finally. I know it's been a while since the last uh, original record. But now, just Mike and I, just in our personal lives, have been through a lot. You know, his, his family life has changed. My life has been through a lot. And so things in the way but now you know we're on a great productive next 10 years you know at least yeah you know you know even though we're all getting a little older we're all from the same generation you know we don't feel that right. way on the inside maybe sometimes on the outside right. you do after a while but yeah no like I, hear said, you. I hear you when you're 20 years old you don't think twice about jumping into a van with five guys and going across the country as you get older <laughs> coming the way family obligations does it make it harder today sure. to kind of get out and do what you want to do you can choose very carefully since my son was born 12 years ago um i won't i really won't do anything if it's not what's in my heart. Been at, I've been asked to join a lot of very well-known bands, but if I was going to be away from home too long, or like you say, getting in a get on a bus with a bunch of guys you don't necessarily dig being with, I'm going to do it. Life is too short, and I, you know, again, I, I, I was fortunate that I was I was 40 when my son was born, so I'd, I'd already got a lot of that out of the way. You know, I had lots yeah. of great touring experiences, but then yeah, you start to you start to start realizing, okay, what's what's more important here? Do I want my son growing up? Of course not. You know, I could be I could be maybe more famous or making more money, but that was that's not why I started playing guitar. You know, I didn't that, that wasn't the reason. Once I had my experience with Danger Danger on a major label, I realized this isn't what it's about at all. I mean, I don't care about the game. At least at that point in time that it took. You know what I mean? I saw how far removed the actual music and and the, and the artist was. It was it was just another business, very uh, demoralizing in that way. But it really formed how I conducted the rest of my solo career after that. I just made the music I want to make. You know, when I when I felt inspired to make it without the or the you know worrying about the imagery and, and all that it just it's real it's what i'm doing it's just in my heart and soul and for no other reason you know or are still into it after all this time and getting better so no regrets in that way you, i mean if you go back to the early days of danger danger did you ever think it was going to end did you ever think like the bubble's going to burst like you know hey we made it we're on mtv and you know because things <laughs> came crashing down in the 90s for a lot of rock bands but at that point in time when you, that high just hit you of, like yeah. hey, you know we finally got over that hump right now you know i I knew some, some people that had a few hits and had a lot of money, and they thought they they, saying they thought it was going to last forever. But I, I, I think I just recognized that this is a nice opportunity. I, w I was always the guy that said yes to every interview. And the band was like, oh, I don't want to do it. Publicists at the label loved me because I said yes to everything because I kind of knew this fortunate opportunity. This is, you know, this may not be around that long. So. You know, I frustrating as some of the aspects where I appreciated, you know, the education that I got from it. And, and, the, and some, I mean, some of the rock and roll fantasy experiences. I mean, my first concert that I saw was Kiss in 1970. The, the, on the Destroyer tour, and so we eventually got to do a couple of big tours. That's one of those coming real when you're a kid. You're that I was the guy in the lap seat at the very back of the arena, going, "Wow, this is what I want to do." And then you know, a few years later, there we are shooting the breeze with Gene, pinching yourself, going, "This is this is pretty cool." Um, but again, you know, I, 
part of it, and that really wasn't. When I got the gig with Danger Danger, I would have rather been called up by Miles Davis, you know, to take Mike Stern's place. That's where, you know, my my goals were a little loftier. Not not I'm not not downplaying, you know, the the fun of, of the straight ahead rock and roll thing, but I, you know, I was definitely more artistically inclined at that point. But I recognized it as, a, as this was a good opportunity to to get on the world stage for the first time. Not not realizing if I'd ever get another chance. I, I wasn't brimming with self confidence at that. Um, yeah, still yeah. struggle with that one. But you know, it, again. A wonderful experience and, and, and like, like I say catered me on how I conducted the rest of my career did you ever get to play with Miles Davis before he passed no I did I, I, I got to see ah. Miles but I never got to uh, but I've got I've, been, I've gotten very close with Mike Stern actually he and I are good friends and when I'm in New York I, I go to his place and we jam and, and he's been really really supportive of me because you know I'm, I'm studying a lot of jazz again I'm straight ahead and uh, he and I have a great time playing together he's a really deep soul that guy he's special yeah. he, to me, and really to me he was the fusion music existed before came along but he was the first guy to really tie in the authenticity of blues and Hendrix with so soulful and deep and he rocked then had that vocabulary of, uh, of the all great jazz that came before him so to me he was really the first star player um, and, yeah. and what he did on that We Want Miles and, uh, and Man with the Horn record, that was, it was, it was an epiphany. When I saw him on, a, on Saturday Night Live in 1981 with Miles, uh, my jaw was on the floor. Again, because I recognized what was happening, because I'd been studying a little bit of jazz at that point, but hadn't heard anybody put it together like that. Killing, he still sounds amazing. And that, and that dude, he is never without a guitar in his hands. He is, <laughs> he's a living, breathing, you know, student. And, and I think inspired. that jazz and rhythm and blues are still like one of the truest forms of music that there are, even with the new music coming through the ranks today. No, I mean, absolutely. that's kind of like where it's out, you know? Absolutely. It all, it all kind of comes from that, you know what I mean? Hey, Andy, I'm not going to keep you much longer, man. I know you're busy, and I hope sure, when the new solo record comes out, you get to come back through the New York area and, uh, you know, play for it. Yeah. And great to hear those songs. Now, where, are you, where are you based, Mike? Where are you? New York City, Staten Island, New York. Oh, okay. Oh, great, great. Well, we're playing at BB King's on April. I know. I will be there for that show, but I want to see you come back well, around with the show, man. Yeah, we'll do that. You know, we've been playing a lot at the Iridium. That's kind of been our home base, but now maybe I after BB Kings will maybe come back there as well. But please come and hang. Come say hello before the show and all that. I absolutely will. I will see you in a couple of weeks. All right, there you go. An interview with Andy Timmons. I was going to play this song after the interview, but I kind of played it before. And that was Innocence Lost. Great solo album. Amazing guitar player. All right, we're going to talk to uh, Jason Ashcraft. We're actually doing this interview live while we're pre-recording it. <laughs> Try to kill a couple of birds with one stone. Uh, so we'll get on a couple of tunes between now and then to him, and then we'll get the interview on with uh, Mike Portnoy and Max Portnoy. Uh, they did it together, both out on tour with Metal Allegiance and Next to None. Uh, but right now, how about, you know, Pure Steel Records just put out a couple of pretty cool releases. Let's do two of them back-to-back. We'll give you a brand new Gallows poll, and we'll follow it up with Assassin's Blade. So sit back, enjoy the music. You know, it's, it's not really fun doing these pre-recorded shows because I know nobody's listening. It's just me kind of talking to myself. But then again, what would make that any different than any other Sunday night on the show, I guess, right? <laughs> I don't think anything ever changes. So uh, we'll get that new music off for you right now, and then we'll jump into some classic metal right afterwards, and we'll talk to Jason Ashcraft. Let's start it off with some Assassin's Blade. Here's Agents of Mystification.
All right, we had to pick up the pace after that Gallows Pulse song. <laughs> no nuclear assault was stranded in hell. Uh, the band's supposed to have one final record out. I think the, the touring, nobody knows. It's like you have to be a secret member of like some society of nuclear assault to find out what's going on with the band because they post very little information. Nobody knows what the hell's happening with those guys. But there was supposed to be a final record, a final tour. It might have even happened for all I know. Like I said, you never hear anything about them. Right before that, Gallows Pole with Angel Eyes. And before that, Assassin's Blade with Agents of Mystification. I highly recommend the Assassin's Blade record. Really good. Uh, save your money on the Gallows Pole. It sounded like some bad 70s, uh, 70s space rock. I don't know. Really not into it. Uh, and I just kind of randomly played any tune off the record. and figured, you know, how bad could it be? But I guess now we know. All right. We're going to wait for Jason Ashcraft to call in in a few minutes. We'll talk to him about everything going on in the world of Helium Prime. And he also has his band Dire Peril. Uh, let's get a one more tune while we wait. And then after that, we have Max and Mike Portnoy. A couple of tunes from Metal Allegiance and Next to None. And we'll wrap it up here on this Easter Sunday. Want to remind everyone, this Thursday, the 31st, is the final Metal Matinee. After eight years and 400 episodes, and me mentioning it every week since January, it finally comes to an end. We're going to wrap it up. It is called the final Matinee because it is the final Matinee. So stick around, tune in. We're just going to concentrate on the Sunday night show from now on. Uh, doing the two shows a week was really getting time-consuming for me. So we're going to kind of put that to bed. Plus, you know, after eight years, I just kind of ran out of ideas. It was a theme show. Every week there was a different theme. We based, you know, songs around. And after 400 of them, I just, you know, my brain cells are fried. So we're going to be on Sunday night. We usually do two hours on Sunday. We're going to jump up to two and a half, three hours, depending on how busy we are with guests and bullshitting and playing music. So stick around for that. One more tune. Uh, Jason should be calling in right after that. And uh, conclude today's show. Crusaders Revenge. Don't you blame? I will find you so long. The 
Germany's Paradox with Crusaders Revenge. That comes off the Heresy album from way back in 1989. Really wasn't that far back, huh? I guess considering that, you know, uh, when I play stuff from 81, it seems like 30-something years ago. At least we didn't hit the 30-year mark yet with that record. Uh, we were supposed to have Charlie, the singer from the band on the show, about two years ago or three years ago. I think it was right after Tales of the Weird came out. and uh, But he had gone for heart surgery at the time, and we never really got a chance to follow through with that interview. So I'm going to reach out to uh, the band uh, and see if I get them back on here again. Hopefully there will be a new record out by the group pretty soon. Uh, I know they had a, a, a demo collection that came out in 2014. I'm trying to remember if it was on it, because the band signed AFM, AFM Records. I think Stormspell put that out. They did a pretty nice job on that package. Uh, so check it out and pick up some of the band's other records. All right, we'll wait for Jason to call in in a few minutes. And, you know, we're already starting to fill up the April guest slots in, uh, next Sunday night, because you'll listen to this on this Sunday night, uh, April 3rd. We have Tony Scaglione from Whiplash. Well, it used to be from Whiplash. It looks like he just parted ways with the band this week. So we'll find out what happened there and everything else going on. Tony's been in so many bands over the years, from Slayer to Whiplash, to a few cool hardcore bands and other groups that I've known over the years. It'll be fun to talk to him. Uh, Brad Stencil from KO is also on the show this weekend. I cannot wait for that. And the boys from Death Angel will be calling. I think we got the whole band on uh, next week. Uh, I'm not too sure. It might just be Rob and Mark uh, and, uh, and Will the Drummer. I'm not too sure who it is, but we, we're definitely going to have a few members of Death Angel on live next week with us also. So don't forget to tune in. It's going to be an amazing April. We're bringing in spring in a metal way this year. I am looking forward to it. All right, we'll wait a little bit more for Jason. Uh, I was bouncing around some of the news feeds the other day, and I saw some uh, some radio station interviewed a fan who took a picture with Axl Rose. And they were interviewing him, and he was giving up all this information on the band like he was like an insider with them. He just ran into the guy in the street, took a picture, and that becomes newsworthy. I mean, blah, 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 they'll print anything. It doesn't really make a difference. But I'm just saying, like a real like on-air radio station interviewed this guy, and he was telling them all this shit about the band. <laughs> I was like, you got to be kidding me. Is that how desperate we are? And that was like interviewing fans now who take, you know, pictures with groups or bands. It was kind of stupid if you ask me, but that is the world we live in right now. A lot of crappy news stories out there. If something's not going on, they're going to make something up. It's almost like TMZ. They have to create drama, like, you know, to generate articles and, and, and news stories uh, for the website with the celebrities. And, you know, blab them out the sort of the same way. You'll get 25 uh, posts a day about a drum cam video from some drummer playing behind his drum set. Now there's guitar cam videos about a band who recorded something live and, and a concert somewhere. And it's like all nonsense. I mean, put the hard news articles on. That's what I want to hear. All right. I think we have Jason on the line. Let's connect him now. This interview going. Jason, it's Mike. How are you? Hey, Mike. Doing good. How are you, man? Good. How are you today? Oh, doing good, man. Enjoying the little vacation. So it can't beat that. Ah, nice. I, I know it's a little early in uh, California, but uh, I'm glad, you know, you got up this early to do the interview. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, unfortunately, I'm a morning person. I've been up since 6 o'clock already, you know. <laughs> you should stop us away with the rock stars. You know, they're up late at night partying. Yeah, fortunately <laughs> not. Hey, stuff like that happens. Hey, well, listen, Helium Prime, another brand new band by you. I mean, I was a big fan of Diary Apparel. I know you still have that going on. Let's talk about the new group. I mean, what made you form this group? You know, considering that, you know, with Diary Apparel, you could kind of do anything you wanted to do. 
Were you looking to do something completely different? Helium Prime came about on accident, but it ended up being a really positive thing. Uh, my girlfriend Heather and I, you know, we're both musicians, and I just thought it'd be fun to write some songs together because I was like, why haven't we done this yet? Why haven't we written songs together? You know, we both perform and play. I wrote a couple songs. Didn't really, you know, I didn't really see myself wanting to use them with Dire Apparel, so I was like, hey, you want to write some lyrics to these? And that ended up becoming the two-song EP we put out last year. I just, you know, we were having a good time, and I ended up writing more songs, and next thing you know, it was a full band. That was yeah. never the original intention. So, are you, are you, and like you said, it is a band. This isn't just like a side project that two you were doing together, like to record some music and maybe do a show here and there. You're going to take this as far as you can. Yeah, no, this is definitely a full-fledged band, so... Um, basically, you know, because Heather's got her other group, Grave Shadow, which is very busy, and then Dire Peril right now is making a slow comeback, but it definitely is pretty much running at 100% capacity, two bands right now. So, But so far, it hasn't been an issue. Like, we're both understanding, you know, time for the other band as well. So we make it work. So far, we haven't had any complications. Yeah. Is it like a necessary evil today if you want to be a musician and you want to play music to, to have multiple bands of projects? Is that the only way to sustain yourself musically today? I mean, I easily could have kept up I did with Helium Prime and done it. I think it's more just do it, you know? I mean, you want, you know, you have, you get out artistically and maybe something you wanted to do, like, okay, well, this doesn't really fit with what I do with this band, so I'm going to do another project. You know, I don't think it's necessary. I think it's a lot of fun to do. I know I like doing it from bands where I can things, you know, obviously the main things is being one's got a female singer, one has a male singer. They're evil. I would say, for me personally, it's just fun to do. It's fun having two kind of go-to things. I mean, there's definitely a difference in the music. I mean, not just because one's a, a female-fronted band and the other one's a male-fronted. I mean, musically, there are a difference. And, and Heather comes from Shadowgrave, which is more of a symphonic metal-sounding uh, group also. So it's nothing like she's doing over there either. So it's kind of a nice mix of all of it together, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Helium Prime is different in every aspect from Dire Apparel. Dire Apparel is more traditional, very heavy riffs, you know, on the kind of Eister-style gallops and stuff. With this one, I actually just kind of toned it back. You know, the riffs are a lot, um, you know, we've been getting some comparisons to, like, Arion. That's one of my favorite artists, so I don't hear it yeah. because, you know, I don't think I'm, a, to me, he's one of the greatest writers ever. It's a great compliment, but a lot of influence I did take with Rhyme is, like, Devin Townsend. You know, a lot more of the kind of metal rock, you know, a little, again, yeah. like, not as complicated riffs. And I love that stuff. I mean, I, as far as going out and playing live, I mean, let's go back to record the recording of the record. I guess you did this all on your own, probably, because it's not kind of way things go today with a lot of bands. We recorded everything on our own, the drums. So the drums and acoustics were done at a studio called Alien Productions. And then as far as vocals, bass, and rhythm guitars, we recorded all that on our own. But we had it mixed. Carlo Alvarez from Dirty Viking Audio Productions, and then it was actually mastered by uh, studios out in France. Wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, uh, does a label really offer anything to a band today? I mean, outside of maybe some distribution help, is there anything that an artist or a musician can do on their own that they need to have help from, help from a label today, like in the old days? <laughs> I think having a label is still a good thing. You know, there are definitely a lot of things I feel fanned out with can't do on their own. Yes, would be distribution, like bigger distribution than you could probably do on your own, like worldwide distribution. Bigger labels, bigger managers, comes bigger PR, definitely bigger exposure. And if you want to someday get on those bigger shows, you know, that you dream of, if you want to play Vakken, I'm pretty sure if we were to email Vakken, they would not just put us on. Yeah. <laughs> so... 
I think having a label and some of the big boys on your side definitely. I mean, as far as financially, yeah. probably not. You know, it's kind of a give or take. You know, what do you want more? The money more? Or do you want the ability to play? Well, most of the labels out there today, I mean, it's not like the old days where they kind of wanted to take hold of a band and control them and, and dictate to them how they look, what they sounded like, you know, what they did. It's not like that today with the labels anyway. I mean, most of them are independent labels themselves. But they don't look to control the bands, it feels to me, like they used to in the old days. They're just looking to, it's like a dual thing where, you know, they get a, a quality product and they can make some money off it also. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, nowadays, again, like you said, like, pretty much if you can sell, they're not even going to waste their time. So there is no, oh, yeah, we'll work with you, we'll mold you. It's like, sell as you are now. Like, are you a product? So that's really all it is. Is sell, is the music marketable? You know, there's a lot of factors. So um, we tried it for a little bit to get a label with this first album, but we were already so behind on getting it out that we're like, all right, if we don't hear anything in a month, which we didn't expect to because it's just a month, you know, we'll put it out ourselves. Yeah. We'll put it out ourselves. The second album, we're definitely going to take a little more time. See what I have, yeah. You know, what's funny is that, you know, you put out a full-length record with this band, but with Dive Perry, you never really released a full-length album. They were always EPs uh, along the way. Was that intentional? That was not intentional. <laughs> yeah, I could go on the frustrations of how Dire Apparel should easily have three albums out by now. But unfortunately, things don't always work out as planned. And, you know, it just ended up being three EPs. And so I can tell you this, told my friends and everybody, if we get on a label and they demand it, I will never put out another EP. I, will, I can promise that now. Wow. Um, yeah, hey, that was... Ne- hey, that was ne- no, no, go ahead. Finish, Jason. Yeah, that was never my plan for Dire Apparel. <laughs> that was never how I wanted to go about, you know, putting out three EPs and stuff it just kind of turns of events it just kind of turned out that way it happened and i'm just saying it's funny that you <laughs> say that that you would prefer the full length records uh because i think you know quite a few bands in the interview a lot of them have this mentality now where like i, I have skid row in the show every now and then and they were like we're just going to release ep for seven months instead of a full length record every couple of years because it, it comes and goes people forget about it the eps we hit them up every six months with a few songs they could take it in then you get other bands like are in a single thing now where we're going to put out a single every six months and give them one thing at a time. So it, it's kind of like both sides of the coin where artists don't want to bother with EPs or singles, and other artists just want to do that full-length record. So, you know, you, you took the opposite approach to it compared to some other bands where they feel like an album today, uh, it doesn't serve the purpose for them because people have short attention spans. You know, I mean, also, I mean, yeah. quality of your music, you know, like you can't capture attention of someone that long, that's on you, you know? But people I know still love full-length. and. I do agree. Like you need to stay consistent. Put out an album every four years. Put out an album. If you're gonna if you're gonna pull one out and then not do anything for four years, well, yeah, people are gonna move on because there's new music coming out every day. I've heard people say that too. Like I'm pretty sure Rob Zombie said that that he wasn't gonna do another album and he was just gonna do EPs. Um, but I I know I love getting an album and I'm still one of the people that loves to buy an album. Getting the artwork, details that go into it. Like, there's more to an album than just, you know, at least to me. And maybe that's because I'm a musician myself and I know what goes into making an album. You know, I love getting the full package for sure. Uh, no, I'm the same way. I mean, I grew up in the days of vinyl, you know, getting that running home, putting it on, you know, reading the lyrics, yeah. looking for the pictures in the back. A lot of the kids today, they, they live in this digital world where most of them don't even buy CDs. I mean, it's like they'll download one song for 99 cents. They're happy with that. And they don't bother with the band anymore. And it must be difficult oh, yeah. as a musician where you figure, you know, I want to flesh out my songs and my music and really make it take hold where the other way you say, well, maybe I got to hit them fast with something because I'm going to lose them if I don't. Again, I agree, like hit them fast. Like I'm already planning sort of writing Prime album, you know, and I plan to have it out next year. We're definitely not slowing down, but it's going to be another full length, you know, and then... 
So and also, you know, it goes with that too. Like, don't rush a product and make it mediocre for the sake of getting it out. Like, like an album isn't good enough to have it out next year. That'd be great. And I mean, I, I see so many bands today where they do take four, five, some of them seven or eight years between records. And these are active bands. They're not like you know, it's a hobby or or, or a side project. These are active bands. I'm like, so much can change in the music world within one within months, if not a year. Never mind seven Absolutely. years down the road. People just don't want to wait no more. Even the old school fans are like, hey, I'm not. I'm gonna die one day. Let's get a freaking record out here. <laughs> a band I really like, Blind Guardian. For their for, for a while, they were putting, you know, when they first started, they were putting out an album a year. And even like Iron Maiden, they'd be putting out an album a year. But then when you get a little further in your career, you don't have to put out an album a year. It's like, okay, we've already established who we are. People are going to get excited. So, you know, Blind Guardian, they're kind of on a trend now. I think their last three or four albums have been four years apart. thing is, is when it comes out, it's a big deal. Put it out, they do a big world tour for like a year and a half. They're just on that album and then they kind of go back into hibernation mode. But the thing is, is four years, the band's not active. I mean, they're constantly roles and all that. Stay in the light. Um, but yeah, so I think it's just it all depends, you know. Like you know, some of the, like again, Iron Maiden. You know, they put out an album every four years or so now, but people still go fucking nuts. And I'm sure. still. And, that, and that's what I mean by, like, as far as people get over it quickly, I disagree because I'm still spinning Book of Souls, you know, months later. Just as awesome. Coming down to the material you write for that long. Yeah. But, yeah I, a lot of people want to say it's just like music, but when you look at the the big picture of everything going on in the world as far as entertainment goes, it's the same everywhere. I mean, I don't remember, like, I remember when I was a kid, just to go to a movie. That one movie would be playing in a theater for five or six months. <sighs> Today, three, four weeks later, that movie's out of the theaters, and it was the biggest movie in the world. TV shows. It's like yep. that with everything. People just don't, I don't know if we live in such a connected world where we don't have time to just sit back and enjoy, you know, the, the music and, and the stuff people crave for entertainment. I, I don't know what it is, to be honest with you. Something's uh, missing or something's lacking. Well, yeah, we definitely are living in a fast-paced world. I mean, everything moves so fast, you know? I mean, yeah, I just, that's just how, you know, everything is fast. Like, we, we're constantly waiting for the next thing. You know, we're always just waiting. And then we get that thing, and then we're waiting for the next thing. Life is just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. Well, we won't be waiting for yeah. New Helium Prime. Uh, the new songs you're working on, like, are they kind of a continuation of the last record? Or are you moving into a little different sound now? Um, you know, I can I can say the song that I have, the song's done already. first one was actually originally on the Dire Apparel album. For some reason, I just felt it would fit more with Helium Prime. So that sounds a little different than what we've normally done. It might have a little, or a little Dire Apparel start writing. And whatever it ends up sounding like is what it will sound like. Uh, being that you and Heather are a couple, is it difficult sometimes being in a band together? You kind of have to like watch like what you say or do, not the because after that you got to go home. So far, it hasn't been difficult. Fortunately, we love the same kind of music. We love what we're doing together. So far, it's where we have any disagreements. There's definitely moments where, you know, at a professional standpoint, the band side where we have disagreements. But so far, we haven't let that really go over to the relationship side. I mean, we may have a few moments like, well, I don't want to fucking do that. And then we yeah. bicker, turn band mode off, and, you know, it's all good. <laughs> that's, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Hey, well, Jason, I'm not going to keep you much longer today. Uh, where can people pick up the Helium Prime record, follow what's going on with the group keep up with you guys and you have anything coming up uh, in the immediate future for for that or, or dire uh well so i'll start with dire apparel uh dire apparel is actually in the process of recording our debut album finally this thing should have been out 2012 this year so that'll probably be my next big thing so probably what'll happen is after the helium prime stuff slows down i'm going to shift gears and you'll see me pushing dire apparel a lot more um hopefully in the next few months you'll see that and um so that's the next big thing for me as far as uh helium prime you could you know we have a website primemetal.com place to get any of our merch cool album would be Bandcamp. so far easy to use for merch so we don't 
see any reason to use anything else. So Bandcamp, the album's there, and then our official website. And we got a few other things in the works right now that, you know, hopefully in a month or two to everybody. Hey, we'll do this again yeah, when you're ready for more news. Yeah, absolutely, man. That yeah, sounds great, man. Down. All right, Jason, you take care. It was great talking with you. All right, you too. Thanks a lot, man. All right, thank you. Take care. We're starting to lose a connection there for some reason, so I didn't want to keep that going and leave you guys without hearing anything. But Jason Ashcraft from Helium Prime, Die Apparel. Let's get a song off the new record. Here's Into the Black Hole.
Okay, Metal Allegiance, Destination Nowhere. All right, we spoke to Mike and Max Portnoy this week. We did all these interviews in one day. We had Kurt Vanderhoff, and then right after we had Andy Timmons, and then Mike and Max. So forgive me if I got a little tired towards the end over there. Doing three interviews in a row, you have so many things you want to ask all these different artists, but you're also getting tired from sitting around and waiting and being on the phone and doing them. But uh, here's our interview. Sit back, enjoy it, and then we'll wrap up today's show with a song by Next to None. And maybe we'll get in one more if we have the time. But here you go. Mike and Max Portnoy. Hey, this is Mike. Max, Mike, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How's everything going over there? What's going on, man? Uh, not much, Max. Right. I, I think you should be able to tell our voices apart, but this is Mike. How you doing, Mike? Yeah, I can hear this you This is now. Mike and... Uh, this is Max. Hey, Max, how are you? Cool, man. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. It's a I'm pleasure good. to have guys on here today, man. For having us. Hey, well, Max, listen. You guys did a great job on the last record. What an improvement from that, you know, that three-song EP that came out a couple of years before. You can really see the growth in the band in the last couple of years. Oh, thank you so much. Um, there was a, a different, you know, time-wise from the he and the album. I mean, we wrote the EP when we were like two years of writing, and so we evolved a lot from then, and me and the band were proud of it, and better um, way of, you know, what we're going to sound like in the future than the EP. Absolutely, and it definitely changed styles a little bit. It was more of a hard rock type of record. Well, this one, you know, you move more to progressive vein, and it's also got a lot of, the album also has like a theme behind it, too, going on lyrically. Yeah, Thomas actually wrote a, like a concept going through, but there is a, you know, a lyrical concept, and there's some musical hints a lot. It's, Absolutely. And if I could chime in, and I know this is all about Max, but wait till you hear the leaps and bounds from even their last album to their next album. The growth, the growth and the progress is just incredible with these boys. Yeah, I, you could tell, you could tell, Mike, and, you know, I mean, you've been around a long time you've been doing this for so many years you've you've entrenched yourself into so many different bands and projects you've never like you know stood and did the same thing over and over again and max is that something that you're interested in where you don't want to like repeat yourself album to album but with any type of music that you know you're interested in at the time yeah i mean i like having um in one album if like all the songs sound the same you know don't want to do i want to have different songs so you can know that each song is kind of unique and everything and album to album there's um for you to like you know, change how you look at things, so your um, songwriting will change and styles will change. You know, I just write whatever I feel like writing, and uh, oh, it has to be like certain vibe and do whatever we do, whatever we, we want to do. People say the new record, you're out, you know, you're out on Inside Out label, major label over there. People say it happened really fast for the band. When then you go back and say, you know what, the first one we, we wrote when we were 12 years old, it's really not that fast. You've been going at it for quite a few years now. You've put in your time. It's been about five years now. Um, we have been around time. I mean, we started when we were really young. It's, my, it's like dog years for kids. <laughs> yeah, I can when, imagine. When they're kids, it's like you have to multiply it times like three. Hey, well, Mike, you remember, you weren't much older than your son when you had Rising, uh, Rising Power going back in the day. Exactly. Yep, uh, exactly. What is the difference now? I mean, back then, I mean, you know, he has you to lean on where you like kind of guide him through the whole process of studio and the labels and, and touring. When, when you guys were kids, you probably didn't have that when you were getting started. Is, is it a benefit to him? Oh, or, does well, it, or does it actually hurt him because you know so much curve on his own? Well, it's world's different. And I was starting, I think mean, the biggest, biggest difference of all is the internet, you know. Uh, nowadays, kids can, you know, put their music on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and be seen all throughout the world. You know, we couldn't do that when I was a kid. When I was a kid, the only way you could be heard was to get, like, a record deal and and you'd have to wait many, many months, you know, for, for the product to be out. So it's very different. Um, so, you know, I think they have it better in a lot of ways, but they also have it harder in a lot of ways because the music industry right now is 
you know, it's difficult. It's suffering. Records don't sell like they used to, so so they do have that that they're up against. But I mean, obviously, they do have a, a, a bit of an advantage because I, I've been helping them kind of get their foot in the door. But honestly, I, I don't like when people kind of say that it's, oh, it's just Mike Portnoy's son's band. I mean, really, they, they work their asses off. They write all this on their own. They do it all on their own. They're out there busting their asses in the van, playing the clubs and stuff, you know, when I'm out doing my own thing so they're they're doing this themselves you know they have the advantage of me kind of helping them but that's really the extent of it well you know like you said this is a business and nobody's going to say we're going to lay up money on anybody because they're related to somebody else it's about making money as far as the business end of it goes if they didn't have it going on nobody would be interested in them but they do and like you were saying the next record is going to like take them to the next level i'm sure and i'm dying to hear what these guys have come up with. It's going to be incredible. Max, is it going to be more of a concept the next one too, or can you just get all individual songs going? I think we're planning on just doing individual songs. Um, you know, that that's the plan as of now. Um, who knows what, what will happen, you know, lyrically. Like, But as of now, we we have five songs completed. We're actually finishing up the rest of it, so hoarding it's a lot heavier, but there's still some progressive element. I think everyone will really like it. Yeah. Well, you're naturally drawn to the drums because you got a mother who's a guitar player too. I think I just did think went to the drums from watching my dad. I mean, I never really thought about doing anything else. It was just always drums. Well, Max, what do you find the hardest thing about getting the band going, getting it up and running? Like I said, a lot of the, a lot of people are, use the internet today, and you got you kind of grew up in that era. But is there more to it than just the internet and kind of like shake hands and get face to face to make it happen? Yeah, definitely. You have to play as much as you can, like even if it to do that, because you can meet so many other people and other bands. And um, we met this band ABD, and they're like friends of ours, and we do shows together all the time so like going out there and meeting other bands that you can play shows with part of it and to have really big members that will go out to those shows on the weekends and weekdays and just well i mean the four of you have been together since the beginning with this band i mean you see somewhere down the road that there might be changes because you guys are still kind of young and other things are going to come up in life are the four of you dedicated to making this band happen and to, to making it as big as you can definitely i mean thomas and i are actually full-blown home and we do that just because you know they're taken out of and uh have all that schoolwork, so it's just a lot easier when you're. Really, he goes to school for the dry ones, that they're able to stay on top of their work. Unlike me, that's why I got to try with yeah. um, You know, we're all we're all really dedicated, and this is what we want to do with the rest of our lives. At my age, that are interested in the same music as I that are just dedicated. Do you find a lot of people like look at the band and they mention the age all the time because music is music, and we all start out young and and, and bands, and we just grow from there. We, we were all teenagers at one time, and we all you know move on. It, the music should speak for itself and not the age of the members of the band. Yeah, I agree to the music because they like the music they shouldn't be listening to because written by, like, Chris is now 18, so technically we're not even kids. I mean, Wylan's going to be, they're legally old. Starting to get older now, but I think people should definitely listen to the music just because, you know, it's written by younger people. Yeah. Max, the first time you went out on the road, you probably hear all these stories about being in a band and being a musician, and it sounds like this glamorous rock star lifestyle. The first time you had to hit the road and start traveling around in a van with everybody, what was it like? Did you say to yourself, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be? It's a lot different from what everyone expects. There's a lot of sitting around and doing nothing. I mean, really, you only get to do, uh, you know, two hours of the day where you actually just stay. The rest is just kind of sitting around in a van. I'm in a van with all my friends, so we, we have fun just sitting around and hanging out. So there's actually really not a lot of anything going on. You know, Mike, you and your son, you're out on the road together. It's got to be a great thing. You also have to kind of separate yourself, say, hey, you know what, we're also like, you know, two bands traveling and not father and son sometimes where you get a little overprotective? You know, uh, 
Honestly, I, I just enjoy the fun part. Uh, me and Max have never had the kind of relationship where I was like the strict disciplining parent. Uh, if anything, Ma- Marlene, my wife, is, is more like that. So I, I've always been kind of like the fun dad. So when we tour together, me and Max are the band guys. You know, it's, it's Marlene that's got to be like, you know, the manager or the mom. Yeah. And she's got to be the, the tough guy. So we play good cop, bad cop, and I'm I'm the good cop. There you go. Somebody has to be one, right? Yeah. You just yeah. threw mom under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are the chances of next year the entire clan going out with the Mean Streak reunion? Three out in the road uh, together. It's Well, you know, that's how this whole family began is because I was going to see Mean Streak back in the days. Marlene was in a... An all-girl thrash band back yeah. in, the, in the mid to late 80s, and I used to go see them opening for, for Anthrax and Motorhead and Overkill, and, uh, you know, that's where the entire Portnoy family began. So, yeah, I think it would, it would be awesome. I think it would be a great idea. That's long overdue. I remember seeing them at, at Lamore countless times, man. I, I would love to see that happen. That yep, would be amazing. totally. Oh, it would be great. Yeah, totally. So, so what do you guys have next? We're out on the road right now. With metal, you know, Mike, you're with Metal Allegiance. You guys are out together. What's coming up for both of you next? I mean, Mike, you're, you're playing in every band but the, the Jug Band down the corner. So I can't keep up with what you're playing with these days. But do, you, do you like I that know. better challenging? Do you like it better going from situation yeah. to situation? Well, I wouldn't say challenging. It's more fun. Fun. You know, I spent 25 years in in one band, yeah. and uh, you know, there's something to be said for that. And bands like the guys like in Iron Maiden and the guys in Rush, you know, they kind of stick to just their one band. But I've always been the type of musician that wants to get out there and play with lots of different people and do lots of different things. So for me, I like it. You know, even just this summer alone, you know, I'm out with Metal Allegiance, I'm out with the Winery Dogs, I'm out with Twisted Sister. So you know, to me, it's uh, it's 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 a, it's a really cool a really cool thing, and I'm happy doing it this way. Yeah, as a musician, you have to be right because you do get stagnant if you're doing the same thing over and over again, even if it is your baby. Exactly. Yeah, so it has to be nice to experiment. Yeah. And Max, you feel like that's something you might do in the future? Maybe take on different projects or different bands, in a different you know genre than you do right now. I don't know that. I mean, that all depends on my band right now. But you know, I've always been interested in just playing with other musicians, not even necessarily necessarily making a band jam with them as always maybe in the future if i have time and you know my band yeah honestly i i would even though uh, it would be a hypocrite for me to say it because i play in 87 different bands now <laughs> but I, I i would recommend to young musicians to find one band and stick with it because you know i did do that for 25 years and i was exclusive and devoted to one band for for 25 years and and there's something to be said for that. So my recommendation to young kids would be to try to, you know, to do that first and foremost. And then, you know, maybe maybe years down the road, expand out, you know, once you've established yourself. Ability, I mean, a lot of musicians that were in bands, you know, they kind of moved into the studio work because they figured it keeps them active. It keeps them playing different stuff. And, and, and it's a way of making money, you know, decent money. But they can make a career out of it. Is that also an option down the road? Um, I actually have done a couple, played on the Piles' new album. My dad actually did some too, and then we we did a father and something on it too. I did that. I also did the They wanted me to play on their uh, first EP 
piece that was just like, uh, it was about a month ago, I think, I went and recorded it. Tiles album should be coming out, and everything is going to be awesome. And the new next tonight, you think it's going to be 2016, or is it going to happen next year? Um, That's a good question. Um, That all depends on, probably definitely going to record it 26, and whether or not it's released by the end of the year, or if it's going to be released. That all depends on, you know, how long it takes to actually sit and get it out there. But it'll definitely be out. I'm looking forward to hearing it, Max. And listen, I'm not going to keep you guys much longer. I know you have a whole bunch of these to do. The best of luck with the band. Proud, man. He's doing an amazing job. Oh, uh, thank you, man. Thank you. And I, I'll see you guys next Thanks time. Thanks for having us, man. Hey, anytime, man. The best of luck. Have a good awesome. time on the road. Enjoy. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio.
by Next to None, The Edge of Sanity. Check out the band. They're on tour with Metal Allegiance right now. I want to thank everybody for listening today. I want to wish everybody a happy Easter. This is probably the last time we're going to pre-record a show for a holiday or when I'm on vacation because it's a lot of work and uh, it's not worth it. <laughs> but I hope you enjoyed today's show. I want to thank all of our guests, Kurt Vanderhoff, <laughs> Andy Timmons, Portnoy, Mike Portnoy, and Jason Ashcraft. Have a great week, everybody. I'll see you Thursday for the final, the final, the very final metal matinee. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.